Welcome to God's Messenger Lighthouse Podcast. This is your host, Brother Scott Messenger, bringing you Chapter 6 from If I Perish by Esther on Kim. Chapter 6, Nowhere to Lay My Head. Both Mother and I knew that the peaceful, happy life we were experiencing in the straw-thatched house would not last long, but we were unprepared for its sudden collapse. The sun had set, and darkness was creeping in from the mountains one evening when my sister hurried into the house. Even as we saw her rushing up the road, we knew that something had gone wrong. The Japanese know you are around here, she told me, her voice shrill with fear. A policeman came to the house and asked a maid where you were. I could hear them from a back room. I would be safe for the night, we decided. It was unlikely that my hiding place would be discovered so quickly, but I had to flee early the next morning. My sister decided she would go with me. Again, I dressed in the simple manner of the country people. I combed my hair the way a farm girl would, wore rubber shoes, and wrapped my Bible and a change of clothes in an old handkerchief. I was anxious, even frightened, but an adventurous excitement overtook me. Although my legs were not strong, I was prepared to go as far as I could. I would firmly trust in the Lord's promises and would rely on Him. Whatever might happen, I would follow Him, His will cheerfully. In the half-light of east, or early dawn, my sister, who also had dressed herself as simply as possible, and... I said goodbye to mother and left. We couldn't have taken a bus or train from the nearby town to our chosen destination, but we decided that would be too dangerous. Since the police knew I was in the area, the risk was too great for us to go into the town, even so early in the morning. It was hard for mother to see me leave. She followed behind us and stopped at the corner to watch until we disappeared from sight. My heart bled to see her there, uh, looking so sad and beautiful, but we could not stop because we had to get as much distance between us and the searching policeman as possible. As we made our way over the narrow mountain paths, the sun, climbing higher in the vaulted cloudless sky, glistened brighter, and the endless green of the valley that stretched behind us. Though we were far from the sea, a song of sailing sprang from my heart. Launch out into the deep, oh, let the shoreline go. Launch out, launch out in the ocean divine, out where the full tides flow. People stand on shore, look at the waves, but do not try to see how deep the sea is. Now lift anchor and sail to the ocean of grace, sail to the fathomless ocean of Jesus Christ's love. I sang as we walked, and my sister joined me. I knew I might not be able to cross all the high mountains of persecution that lay ahead of me, and the tears flowed as I thought of Mother, who was left alone, now with her aching heart. She would be even more dependent upon the Lord than before. At last, we came to a village where we could 
take a bus to Kusung, the city where my sister's son lived with his family. Apprehension gripped us as we realized that we would have to expose ourselves to the stares of strangers and to the risk of being discovered by an alert policeman. Then I remembered that we had walked many kilometers over stony mountain paths. My feet weren't blistered in spite of the fact that I was wearing hot, ill-fitted rubber shoes. Neither were we tired. God is working a miracle, I whispered with assurance to my sister. We have nothing to fear. Confidently, we rode the bus to Ku Sung. On the way from the bus stop to my nephew's home, I combed my hair and whipped as much of the dirt or wiped as much of the dirt from my face as possible. My sister's son was a well-known surgeon and owned a large hospital which was attached to the house. She explained my situation to him and his wife and asked if I could stay with him for a while. They offered me their quietest room. My sister took the first bus back to her home the following day. <laughs> I had never realized how noisy a hospital could be. A dam was being built across the nearby uh, Amno Kong River, uh, and with tens of thousands of workers, there were many injuries. The first night, I was awakened several times by the groaning of patients. The next morning, the groans and screams increased tenfold. I couldn't stay calm. For some reason, I was acutely sensitive to such cries of suffering. My nerves were raw, and I felt as though the pain of the injured would penetrate my body. This is what torture will be like, I told myself. I felt as though hell itself had taken up residence in that home. Everyone else was at ease. I was the only one who was restless and trembling. I was ashamed of myself. My nephew and his wife were kind to me. Not realizing the agony I was experiencing, they invited me to stay until the end of the summer. As if I were in, were in prison, I told myself to be patient. I thought I would get used to it, but instead I became even more distressed. By the end of the week, I had lost my appetite and was unable to sleep. Finally, I realized that I could endure it no longer. I didn't know where I would go, but this much I knew. I had to leave. A short bus ride away, I found a little mountain hotel where I stayed for a night. But even as I took a room, I realized it would not provide a safe haven because there were too many people around. I went even farther back in the mountains to a remote village where a few passengers got off. I paid my fare and followed them. Once more, I changed clothes and combed my hair in the country style. I didn't know what I was going to do or where I was going or even where I was. Leaving the bus stop, I went into the section of the village where the homes of the people were located. Children clustered curiously around me, embraced and fearful, embarrassed and fearful. I asked them to take me to the church. The door was not locked, so I went inside. Even here, in this remote place, a shrine had been placed high 
in the center of the altar. Dismayed, I ran out of the church and went back to the mountain. Although I felt rejected by everyone, the mountain with its grass and trees welcomed me. All of nature seemed to whisper words of encouragement to me that morning, yet I was still not at rest. I sat on a large boulder and opened my Bible. God was there, speaking to me. 2 Corinthians 4, 7-10 But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always hearing about, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. As I read, I began to understand that I was now becoming a true believer. I was also in uh, affliction. I resolved that I must die a death that would benefit a Christian, as Jesus himself and many of his faithful followers had. The ice of anxiety in the bottom of my heart melted away. Glory be unto thee, O my soul. Without noticing what I was doing, I began to sing cheerfully. I got to my feet and walked along the path, singing as I went. Snowy clouds were glistening in the sun as they glided busily about the sky. It was clouds just like those that in old times had led the Israelites. They also promised to play a wonderful role at the time of Jesus' return. My joy seemed to become frost as I saw men in the mountain cutting firewood. Somewhere men were searching for me. Sometime they would find me. That I knew. I climbed a tall pine tree, looked up at the clouds, and my heart was sore for my mother. My sister would care for her, yet I knew she would be tossing sleeplessly on her bed, consumed by concern for me. I was toward evening. It was toward evening, and I had no idea where I should sleep. A fox have holes, Jesus had said, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Matthew 8.20 Somewhere within the inner reaches of my mind, I had a slight complaint. Jesus' situation must have been a little better than mine, I decided, for he was a man. As darkness came, I could see the lights of a small village. I walked in that direction, wondering what I would find. I knew that, in most cases, families and neighbors would be gathering outside, fanning away the mosquitoes as they talked endlessly. I kept walking along the dark path, avoiding the places where people would be apt to see me. Finally, I found a farmhouse set apart from the other houses and some distance from the village. Excuse me, I said, approaching some people in the yard. A woman's voice in a strong country accent asked what I wanted. Would you please let me stay with you one night? Silence greeted me, and sadness arose in my heart. May I come in? I asked, stepping into the yard. 
who are you? The young man asked in a hoarse voice. I told him I was a traveler and could walk no longer. I repeated my request to stay with them for the night. I was shocked at my boldness, but I walked toward the room from which I had heard the woman's voice. Excuse me, ma'am, I said. Could I stay here for one night? Yes, she told me. Some offensive smell caused me to be nauseated as I entered the room, but there was no time for me to be disturbed by it. Uh, dirt, dirtiness or bad smells could not be, could not bother me now. I held my nose with my fingers and lay down. When I awakened in the morning, I found that the household was quite poor. There seemed to be no expression at all on the wife's face as she prepared breakfast, and the three-year-old girl had the same dull unhappiness about her. It was as though she had willed herself to feel nothing, not even the nagging malnutrition and hunger that dis distended uh, her little stomach and made her eyes protrude. She was completely lacking in beauty. The wife went out to work, and since I couldn't remain there alone with the old man, I had to leave the house. I patted the girl on the head and made a funny face, but she did not respond. On my way up the mountain, I thought about her, although she did not know laughter and obviously had nothing in her life that was good or pleasing, she was free. Her possession of freedom could have caused her to be far happier than I. Freedom had more value than clothes or food or knowledge or high position. But at the same time, that vacant young face lacked true freedom. What had Jesus said? The truth shall set you free. Uh, John 8.32 uh, Without this uh, truth, there could be no uh, real freedom. So again, uh, what Jesus said, the truth shall make you free. John 8.32 uh, Without this truth, there could be no real freedom. Uh, that was what, uh, why I had to fight my battle through to the end. I had to keep this freedom given by Jesus. I looked up at the mountain, knowing that the, that one mountain uh, stood behind another as far as I could see or think. My future was like those endless mountains. I felt that I would never be able to cross them all. I saw farmers working in the field but I was careful not to get close enough for them to pay attention to me. It was comparatively easy for me to avoid the men who were tilling their crops, but I dreaded going over the mountains. The paths were narrow, and the hills were so steep that there was no way for me to go around those men who were cutting wood, even on the higher mountain. Few women walked alone in such remote areas, so the men would be curious if they saw me. I began to resent the fact that I was a woman. If I were only a man, I thought, I could sing a hymn as I walked. Then I reasoned it would not be long until other believers would hear me and would come out of the forest singing the same hymn. Thus I would have friends and fellowship. But I was a woman. I dared not do such a thing. Resting wearily under a tree, I looked at myself for the first time since I had left my nephew's home. My wrinkled summer clothes 
had not been washed for days, and I looked as sad as and as miserable as I felt. Suddenly, an amusing thought made made me laugh until I tumbled off the big stone I was sitting on. I had been an actor in a marvelous play on the great stage of the earth, the same play in which those martyrs had been who had fought and died to defend the truth. At that moment, it seemed that they were looking down at me somewhere behind those clouds. Be courageous, I told myself, and as I said those two words, self-pity fled, and I was able to continue cheerfully on, reciting Bible verses or singing hymns in rhythm to my pace. Looking up into the heavens, I prayed to Jesus with every step, leaning on him and asking him to give me strength. And though I walked continuously in the strong summer sun, my feet did not ache nor did I become thirsty. Again I was filled with happiness. My situation was the same as when the Israelites were led out of Egypt. Great joy filled my heart and overflowed to the heavens and the earth. I shall die, I told myself quietly. At this time I shall die just as Christians in former times died for the sake of the truth. Unable to find words of thanksgiving suitable for this wonderful honor, I just kept crying. At the same time, I felt a great burden in my heart. I knew, or thought I knew, what a hard road I would have to walk before death came. At last, it was evening, and I was in a fairly large village. I was looking for a rice cake shop where I could buy some food, and sit for a few minutes to rest. Such a place would be safe, I thought. They didn't sell alcohol or cigarettes, as was, none, or as was done in restaurants, so spies or detectives were unlikely to come there, and rice cake shops were usually owned by the poor, who would have more compassion than the wealthy. Would you have a room where I can stay tonight? I asked the owner of the shop where I made my purchase. Yeah, she showed me a room, and I lay down on the floor using my bundle as my pillow. I was so weary, I went to sleep nearly at once, but not for long. Almost immediately, I was awakened by someone kicking me. I opened my eyes and looked around, but no one was there. Then I realized that the Holy Spirit had jarred me out of my sleep. Evidently, it was not safe for me to remain in this in that place, so as quietly as possible, I slipped out of the house and left the village. All night I walked, guided by the bright light of the stars and the moon. I was not at all sleepy until just before dawn, when the skies became black and impenetrable, and the cold increased in intensity. I sat down then, the darkness and shivering cold wrapping me in loneliness. As soon as it was light, I got to my feet and started on, fighting against the cold and my lack of sleep. I looked like a country peddler with a bundle of wares. I thought, to me, that was comical. When I came to a rather large town across the mountain, I walked about like a woman peddler. No one paid any attention to me, seeing that the primary school had a large playground. My heart leaped. 
I decided that the playground center was going to be my bedroom for the night. I ascended the mountain near the town until nighttime when the children were, ho were at home. My heart was at ease as I knelt on the hard ground in the center of the playground and buried my face in a bundle as if to greet my Heavenly Father on a special occasion. But my tears flowed until my bundle became soaking wet and I could only cry out, Oh Lord, Heavenly Father! Apparently I fell asleep, for suddenly I heard a gentle, familiar voice saying, Go to Pyong, uh, Ying Yang. I woke up and looked around. Again, nobody was there. The moon had disappeared, and the playground was veiled in darkness. Great strength and happiness sprang from deep within my heart. I had heard the Lord's voice. Tying up my bundle again, I stood up and walked toward town. I had to go out into the main street where the buses stopped. I knew my stomach would not growl in hunger since I would not be able to wait until the rice cake shops opened to get food, for it had been trained for many days of fasting. I would not even have time to get anything to drink. I was following the leading of the Lord. I was on my way to Pyongyang. Next time, Chapter 7, Go to Pyongyang.